Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 54, Thursday, September 12th, 2019. And actually, this episode is going to be released early on Friday the 13th. It's another early season football weekend upon us, so I'd like to welcome all the new listeners that we have here. We have an awesome episode for you today. I sat down with Joe Rogers, senior writer over at Bet Chicago, my new colleague over there, and we talked about how how we adjust our early season ratings on college football teams before diving into this week's college football week three slate, and then we broke down some of the NFL week two games as well. So we finished with some of our best bets, so be sure to stick around for that. And then at the very end, we have the return of the Danimal, who was with us last week, and we'll finish up with some quick bonus best bets from him as well. But before I get started, first, ladies and gentlemen, I'm dealing with quite the conundrum this week. I'm a graduate of the University of Iowa, and for those who are not aware, um, the Hawkeyes, you know, it's just an amazing town in Iowa City. Be- being a Hawkeye is uh, a real fine thing that I'm proud of. And, and this week, my beloved Hawkeyes are taking on our in-state rival, the Iowa State Cyclones in Ames, Iowa. ESPN's College Game Day is going to be there. It's going to be a huge deal. The entire state's going to be watching that game. And everyone out there listening, here's my problem. I think that Iowa State is a fantastic value play in this game. So much so that I can honestly tell you that I've made my biggest bet of the year on the Cyclones in this game. This week I wrote about uh, the game in an article for Bet Chicago previewing the game and and I uh, actually bet it on the look-ahead line at minus 2.5 just a few weeks ago. And I felt good about it then, too. So it's really quite the week because this line got up to 2.5, and, and I was actually able to get plus 3 uh, at minus 120 and minus 115 earlier in the week. The line has gone down since then. I'm, I'm joking around that my article helped move the market back but or helped uh, the market realize the resistance point at the at the price. But I was able to get that in the money line at plus 125. I'm also liking the first half in that game. Iowa State uh, plus plus uh, 0.5 got that. So it's um, it's just a game where I like Iowa State. And it's tough as an Iowa fan to to deal with it, and you know it's not an emotional hedge situation at all for me. It's just it's a situation where I think there's an overreaction in the marketplace on both teams, and as Jimmy Vaccaro likes to say, pros bet numbers, Joe's bet teams. So I'm gonna. I'm going to stick to my guns here on this one, and uh, but I'm going to explain this to you because, you know, I, I, how, or at least what my reasoning is on this play, and to show you, you know, why it's not just an emotional hedge here, and and, um, and Joe, <laughs> Joe kind of calls it out as an emotional hedge, you'll hear in, the, in our interview as well, but um, so like I said, you know, I felt good about this on a look-ahead line, and I had Iowa State power-rated roughly two and a half points better than Iowa when the season started, so with home field advantage, I thought that it was good, you know, getting good value playing it at that number. And I was high on, on Iowa State coach Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy, their quarterback, uh, the entire Iowa State team entering the season. I thought they were a legitimate sleeper in the Big 12. And the line move for this game has been quite surprising for me. I, I think that it's, like I said, it's a joint overreaction to Iowa State's poor showing in Week 1 at home versus Northern Iowa. And, and Iowa's impressive first two games at home against poor teams uh, in Miami of Ohio and Rutgers. And on top of that, Iowa, they're on a 16-4-1, and 16-4-1 and ATS run. And they've beaten Iowa State in four straight games, covering in three straight. And, 
you know, there's a lot of reasons to like the Hawkeyes and a lot of reasons why I'm excited about this team this year. Nate Stanley, he looks like he's an NFL caliber quarterback right now in his third year. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to love the Hawkeyes besides him too. AJ um, Epinesa, he's one of the best pass rushers in the entire country. But we have to remember that this game, you know, the game that Iowa won last year, uh, the low-scoring 13-3 to one, was before Brock Purdy took over as quarterback of the Cyclones last year. So Iowa State was never going to care how much they beat Northern Iowa by in week one this year. People from Iowa, like people went to school there like me. I live in Chicago now, and I'm from Chicago, but went to school out there, and, and I became familiar with this, that like in-state Iowa games are an entirely different animal. Um, and after all, Iowa did cancel games like a yearly uh, series with Northern Iowa playing them every year because it's always such a challenge. And, and uh, I don't know, maybe it's like an Iowa farm boy, farm boy thing. I have no idea, but uh, this, that game against the Cyclones for, or sorry, uh, for the Cyclones against Northern Iowa, that's, that's always going to be a difficult game. And yeah, they barely did win the game, but you know, when you look back at it, you know, the Brock Purdy fumble that, um, that Northern Iowa returned for a touchdown. I don't even know if that was really a fumble. And other than that, you know, Northern Iowa didn't really get anything going on offense in that game. And, and I don't think Matt Campbell, more importantly, I don't think he wanted to show much against Iowa, um, you know, for their in preparation for their game against Iowa uh, in that Northern Iowa game. So um, I, th- I think it bit him in the ass in the end of that game, but he survived nonetheless. And now Iowa State, they've been off. You know, they didn't play last week. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game after they got woken up, you know, with that narrow win against Northern Iowa, no less. And Iowa might be, you know, they might be sitting a little fat and happy right now for the first two wins. And ESPN's college game day is going to be there in Ames this weekend. And uh, my, my buddy told me he's going to be there that, um, shout out to Mark, he's going to be out there. And he said that the lots are going to be open at 5 a.m. for uh, a tailgating, you know, for a 3 p.m. game. And I've stayed up all night there before, the one time I went to Ames. And I can confirm that tailgating will start that early, especially for, for game day. And Iowa State fans, you know, they know their team has potential this year. So in terms of X's and O's, I mean, Iowa usually has trouble against quarterbacks that are exactly like Brock Purdy. Um, he's a quick, multidimensional, elusive quarterback. He can run the ball. He showed great upside last year when he took over as the starting quarterback. Iowa State's defensive line has the potential to to give a thin but talented Iowa offensive line fits this week. Um, the Iowa secondary is dealing with cluster injuries. And, um, you know, when you watch their early games, it seems like Iowa State, they, they're better in those medium routes, and Iowa is going to have trouble with their you know, defensive backs being banged up, covering a lot of those intermediate uh, routes in the passing game. And, and Iowa State, like I've said, they've had two full weeks to game plan for this and come up with creative plays. Coach Matt Campbell, and his, uh, who I think he is a defensive coordinator, who I think, a defensive coordinator, sorry, who I think is underrated in John Heacock. And I think they had time to figure things out the past two weeks. And, and not only that, but just power ratings wise, I have not overreacted to the power ratings. So I still have Iowa State power rated as a, a slightly better team than Iowa. It's, it's, you know, it's close right now with them. So, cause I have upgraded Iowa to start the year, but it's close, you know, and then you're getting the points at home. So, and all the intangibles here really support Iowa State. So all this points to my strongest play of the year so far, it just happens to be against my alma mater, the Iowa Hawkeyes. But, uh, you know, even then I have to remind people that at best, you know, probably have a 40% chance of losing this bet. So, you know, bet accordingly. This is one of the best edges, I think, uh, of the year so far, betting on Iowa State in this game. And uh, that's that's the way I'm playing it this week. And um, 
I hope you all enjoy that. And without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Joe Rogers. All right, everyone, it's a pleasure for me to bring on a new guest and a guest that you will all be hearing a lot more from in the future. One of my new co-workers at USA Sports Gaming. He's a writer for Bet Chicago and the soon-to-be-launched Bet Indiana. And you can find him for really good information on Twitter at RogersBC, and that's with a D, the Rogers. Uh, Joe Rogers is with us. How's it going, Joe? Yeah, don't forget the D. That's uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, the quarterback that owns the Bears for all you Chicago fans out there. Yeah, how could we forget how to properly spell Rogers? <laughs> yeah, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Look forward to having more Doggy Juice guest appearances and really helping you grow this podcast and helping grow the best Chicago brand. Yeah, but I'm really excited to have you on here. I mean, your, your writing is unbelievable like that's i was a fan of bet chicago before i even started working there and like you were i read a lot of your stuff and uh really like the way you view things um analytically i know you're like you love jumping into the numbers and uh you dig up some really good stuff so highly encourage anybody who's not familiar listening to this to uh to give joe a follow but um you want to share more about bet chicago and bet indiana and what uh what's all the exciting stuff happening over there yeah, um, just a little bit about myself. Uh, senior writer at Bet Chicago, um, USA Sports Gaming. Now, um, as we look to expand into different markets, but prior to this, I worked at a company called Perform Group Media, which owned a bunch of different sports media conglomerates like Sporting News, uh, Goal.com for soccer fans out there. Uh, my interests have always been in advanced stats, sports betting, particularly. College football, college basketball, those are my my babies, I guess, so to speak. But when I was at Perform, our managing editor, Marcus, was on my editorial team, our editorial team, and we started working together on a few side projects. And then he got hooked up with Frank, the president of USA Sports Gaming, to help grow the Bet Chicago brand and now Bet Indiana. So providing sports news, sports betting information, to betters locally and across the country. And it's really been a great group to work with. I really enjoy the connections I've made with odds makers across the country, especially the group with U.S. Bookmaking, uh, Robert Walker, Vic Salerno. Yeah, Vic Salerno is a legendary bookmaker in in the Las Vegas. And they're going to help us operate the Bet Indiana Sportsbook when we open this fall. And see where it takes us from there yeah it's gonna be it's really exciting stuff like i feel like i've joined the team at like just such an exciting time so um i think the the best part too for me like when i started working there is how like open the the odds makers are like the vegas you guys had like a you have a list i mean of all the just the contact numbers for these these legendary vegas odds makers and just like at first i was like starstruck you know sending texts or making phone calls to them um it's like i was meeting like a celebrity for the first time but uh, yeah. I, I thought that was like really probably the coolest thing right away, just having like an instant line of contact with these uh, these guys setting the lines in Vegas. Yeah, it's definitely been, especially been really cool just to. I mean, you hear you hear John Murray or or Chris Andrews on on VSIN, and some of those guys are on ESPN now. Um, Jeff Davis is at 
Caesars and ESPN and Caesars have that deal. So he's on, you know, ESPN with their new daily wager show and just being like, yeah, I've talked to a guy a few times, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, it's pretty cool. cool. And, yeah. And they really give, they really give great insight behind the counter and really have made me a better, a better journalist and a better, you know, handicapper, so to speak, just the way that they look at things and, mm-hmm. and use their readings and everything like that. Yeah, no, it's cool. Like they're all very brilliant. Just, I feel like you're like wired a different way if you work in that. And I guess like you could say we are too, to a certain extent, but like, you know, you have to like have a certain way of doing things, way of thinking to, to be in that industry. And I, I don't know, I feel like it, it kind of targets like a certain personality type that I'm, that I, that I enjoy being around, you know, like those, I don't want to say like use the word degenerate, but just like, a, mm-hmm. know, they, they, they enjoy the action and, and the everything going on. So it's really fast pace. It's always changing. Every day, every day is uh, different than the last. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that they come up with Matt Lindemann, when he was at Caesars, I mean, he got a ton of credit for the different stuff that he put out on college baseball mm-hmm. and like he's setting, you know, setting on for every team that's in the regionals to win a college world series. Yeah. It's just like, and no one else is doing that. And he's doing, he's with circuit now and they're setting those college football totals on Sundays. They started doing that this year that they're really putting themselves out yeah. there, you know, uh, letting the market hit them first. I think that's really, that's really cool. It's brave of them too. I, I really am interested to see how, how that works out for them, you know, the next few weeks, uh, early yeah, on. In the season. I mean, when, when Johnny Avella was at the win, he's now at DraftKings and the win used to be the first Vegas book to do that on Sundays. And when he left to join DraftKings, there was that void in the Vegas market. And now Circa's really stepped in and taken that lead. That's cool. Yeah. I like a lot of what they're doing there, including that, that contest, but, um, Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to talk to you about here, cause like this is kind of new to me, the sports betting journalist angle. Um, mm-hmm. But like last year I was you know, doing this podcast and I was posting best bets on Twitter and stuff for, for my followers and stuff. And had, it was an unreal year, like definitely not sustainable at the rate I was hitting, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what, what you think about this, like the difficulty in quote unquote, giving out plays, especially as a journalist, mm-hmm. when time it's very time sensitive and like, you know, sometimes I know we dealt with this last week. We, you know, we sent in our staff picks, um, yeah. but then, you know, just the difficulty, like later in the week when the markets changed to give out a play that you bet at a way better number. And I know exactly. they discussed this concept on the, the bet, the process podcast, which I know we both really enjoy. And um, it's just like, it's the notion that we bet it at a good number early in the week. And then the number moves a point or two. And then the dilemma we have of quote unquote giving out the play to the readers later in the week. Mm-hmm. If the m- numbers moved, it's no longer really beneficial to the readers. While if you know if the number if the number did move, you know if, if the number is the same, then it's probably not mm-hmm. as good of a bet if the number's still the same a few days later anyway. So, the, yeah. you know, so I, I don't. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, have you had any difficulties with that early, like as a journalist? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very fine line, and honestly, I'm I'm hesitant about writing picks on Fridays, but like you mentioned, because the numbers are either hammered into place. Or the numbers that I like to do, I like to bet early in the week, and what I bet might not exist on Friday, just like yeah. I mentioned. Um, so for me, when I'm when I'm writing up the previews, for the most part, I just try to give readers as much information as I can to help them make an informed opinion on their own. Mm-hmm. So like for last week for the LSU Texas game, 
you know, I personally, I bet LSU minus two in right. games of the year back in May. And that number doesn't exist. Right? right. That number didn't exist. And so it was six and a half. So I could see Texas covering six and a half. I could see LSU covering six and a half. All right. That was like so the, I, the right line. Yeah. Yeah. So I, in my preview, I wrote why LSU could cover the spread, why Texas can cover the spread and just gave both sides of it. So a reader, you know, if they're leaning one way, they can really just mm-hmm. make an opinion for themselves. Yeah, no, it's makes sense. I mean, it's just like, it's hard. Cause like, I want to help people win and stuff, but then, you know, when you give out a play, even if it's like a point or two of value, it's just not the same, you know, and it's, especially when yeah. it like crossed through a key number and stuff like that. So I've, that's like one of the first things I've noticed cause I I'm off to a really shitty start on the, the, at least the NFL picks, uh, and the college football picks on, on that site, I bet Chicago, but it's, you know, it's, as we both know, it's a couple weeks, so it doesn't, it's far from making the season. Yeah. Exactly. But, but, uh, so speaking about that though, so like one big thing I wanted, like the big theme, I guess we could talk about before we jump into the games, uh, and we're going to focus more on the college football games, uh, for week three, but we'll also dive into some NFL week two, but early season adjustments to our power ratings for teams. And, and I guess this applies for NFL too, but, more mm-hmm. specifically college football. Like I, this is always a dilemma. And obviously the guys who can figure out the teams and adjust properly early on in the season have, you know, those are the guys that, that do the best early in the season because, you know, entering the year, you have a certain rating on a team and then you see some like UCLA for me is a perfect example. You know, I was really high on them entering the year had they the most returning starters in the power five conferences, Chip Kelly's second year, you, you know, you be able to like cement his, his uh, way, I guess, so to speak on the program, but they came out mm-hmm. they've lost both games and I've downgraded them now almost a full touchdown. And I don't know if that's real. You know, I, I feel like I'm pretty confident in that adjustment, but I'm not quite sure. So like, I, so what do you think about it? Like not overreacting, I guess, to, you know, one or two data points early on in the season. Like, do you have a special way that you go about it? Uh, I think it's definitely a challenge not to, not to overreact. I personally, I try to keep my ratings close to my preseason baseline as much as possible, unless I'm far off on the market, then I'll aggressively adjust. Like I got burned by Florida state. I got burned by Florida Florida Atlantic and, but it happens. And I I think I told you this before. I I like to manually grade box scores each week and just, based on the underlying efficiency metrics, factoring, coaching, motivation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really te- tedious, but it helps. And then a couple weeks from now, really what I like to do um, when there's less adjustments, I really like to set my number for a game a week ahead of time. That way I kind of have my own look ahead line. Yeah. That, way you can look at, that way you can look at where the market might have overreacted or underacted based on one week's worth of results. That's a good idea because then you're even you're kind of taking away from overreacting on that week's results too. If you have your rating before the game starts, you know it's yeah, you know, exactly. to adjust that much from that particular game. So no, that makes sense yeah. for sure. And like it's grading games. I, I did a podcast on this like last fall, I think like late in the fall, and that's like that. That's exactly I do the exact same thing. Go through it is tedious, mm-hmm. especially in college football, and, um, when you're going through all those box scores and like knocking out the bad stats a lot, a lot of the fourth quarter stats are really meaningless in some of these games especially when yeah. um you know like backups are in the game and one thing i learned over the years is to cap touchdowns longer than 
you know, like those super long touchdowns. I cap them at 40 yards just because in theory, um, there's no predictive value because in theory, the, the end zone stopped the, stop the runner from, you know, they could have kept going past the end zone in theory. So I think it just it right. kind of skews the numbers a bit. So I've learned to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough and it's tedious grading game stuff. But I think once you dive into those numbers and you, you see the story of how a game played out, it helps you, you know, really helps you when you're making your adjustments to the team, especially early out of the year. So, mm-hmm. so how much do you, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Maryland, Maryland's a prime example, right? So they've they've gotten a boost to my from my from my ratings, but they've they're also now a top twenty five team in the AP poll, which you know as handicappers we don't really give a crap about. But you know, Maryland from being a three and a half regular season win total now to being suddenly an eight point opening spread against a good Temple team, in my opinion, and we've seen some sharp money come in on the Owls here. And it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, like this team is still, is still is not very good, right? They still gave up five, 400 yards to Syracuse. And once we get into the big 10 season, we'll see them really start to uh, struggle defensively with the ground and pound teams. They'll control the clock and, you know, keep this offense off the field. So, you know, that's a team for one, for me, that's gotten a boost. But, you know, I've only adjusted them maybe six points or so right. in my in my scale, which is not saying a whole lot. Really. Yeah, no, I've chosen uh, similar to you. I have it, that game around five. I don't know the exact. It's, it's in the range of four, four and a half or five. Uh, so I did. I took seven and a half with the uh, the other day with, with Temple just because, um, you know, I think it's a little just north of the touchdown. It was an easy take. But now it's, I think it's settling out at seven. But that defense, too, I think Temple could mm-hmm. they're probably – one of the best defenses in their conference this year. And, um, but uh, yeah, no, that's another good example because Maryland, you know, everyone that bet Maryland last week is going to do it again this week. You know, <laughs> so. exactly. exactly. And I was, I was just looking at the, I just tweeted out the William Hill numbers. They give to the media, they give uh, tickets and money that they're taking and both were above 90%. And it's, and it's William <laughs> yeah. Hill, which is one of the most, public books out that's there nuts. so yeah and it's gonna be a definite joe's versus pros game i think it already kind of is um yeah all right so yeah let's break into college football week three let's break that down um so my big my big play this week and I, i'm going on a rant to start the podcast so i won't do it here in this interview but mm-hmm. it's it's hard for me man i'm having like a crisis of faith this week because i i'm a you know I'm a, i wouldn't consider myself a diehard iowa fan i'd be lying if i said that but because I didn't grow up uh, as a Hawkeye fan, but I went to college there, and once I became a Hawkeye, I've you know, become a huge fan, and I I love Iowa. Like Iowa tailgates are second to none. I don't know if you, have you ever been out there, Joe. I haven't. No. Oh man, it's I, Iowa City tailgates. It's the best I've found so far, and many people have told me the same. But it's it's a hell of an experience, and those Iowa Iowa State games are a huge deal in the state of Iowa, and like and this week college game days in Ames, Iowa for the first time. It's like the worst city in America too, by the way, no offense to anybody <laughs> that's from there, but I've been there once and that was one too many. But um, I, uh, yeah. So anyway, this game, like I bet the look ahead three weeks ago, minus two and a half Iowa state. And I liked it then. And then we're seeing just to tie this into what we were talking about, the overrating or sorry, the overreaction to the power rating on, I, I would say Iowa state and Iowa to start the mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. Iowa State, you know, they opened up with that that overtime. They barely got through it against Northern Iowa. But people don't know, like those Northern Iowa is a good team. 
and yeah. and there and there's always like at least like 10 15 teams in f and in, in the lower division or whatever that are that are better than the upper division teams and i think that's one of them and when you consider like it's a in-state game those games are always close and one of my buddies reminded me of this iowa actually canceled their yearly matchup with with you and i just because it was always so difficult and so i think that game was you know everyone saw that they had to taken overtime to win Iowa State but now they've had two weeks to prepare and Iowa's look super good but against two pretty poor teams so I think there was that over adjustment there and I'm mm-hmm. I have my biggest bet of the year so far on on Iowa State the market has come down maybe it was my article I wrote for Bet Chicago but the market's come down from two and a half to one and a half um, but I love it every which way I'm full game first half I think the first half might even be stronger too because I think uh, Matt Campbell with extra time to prepare, you know, he's so creative. Mm-hmm. I think he'll come up with something, maybe a trick player too. But um, mm-hmm. Iowa team total under money line. Iowa State. Uh, do, do you agree with me? I like to call this the emotional head. <laughs> so you have the uh, your heart is in Iowa, but your money <laughs> is on Iowa State. So you're you're sitting good. You're winning. Either way. <laughs> no, I've, I'm way past that. You know, it's the uh, I'm, I'm tied to. I think it's Bill Krakenberger that says that his allegiance is to his wallet. And I, I think that's the thing. <laughs> it's hard for me. Like, yeah, it's one of those, I will be torn watching it for sure. Like I, I'm going to feel dirty all day. <laughs> like if mm-hmm. I'd be lying, if I said that I'll be like super cheering for, for the Hawkeyes. I mean, when my money's on the line, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. But I'm, you know, I, I won't be mad. I'll be, I'll be happy if, if the Hawkeyes take my money. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, Maybe. I got the worst of the number. I, I didn't really adjust Iowa State after their overtime win against Northern Iowa. Um, they've, they've had a history of starting slow and coming on late. So this is, well, I guess this isn't late, but they've had the history of starting slow. And now with a week to repair, like you said, I really didn't touch Iowa either. So when it opened, I bet Iowa State minus two. And now, you know, I've definitely got the worst of it. But – I got to trust my numbers here. If it goes down to flames, so be it. Just adjust. Yeah, no, it, I, I agree with you. I mean, I was super confident about it betting at two and a half. So um, I don't know how, how much has changed since then, but uh, yeah, my, my rant at the in, in this podcast it breaks it all down. And I wrote, wrote that article for Bet Chicago on it. It was really difficult to write, but, mm-hmm. but uh, it is what it is. I feel like I feel like we have a winner there, but. Um, so let's move on. The article that you wrote about, uh, not much on the, on the slate this week, by the way. This is like pretty, not not the most exciting college football slate this week, but just from a, a viewing standpoint. But I think a money-making standpoint, we could have some good stuff here. But uh, you wrote an article on Notre Dame and New Mexico. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that one at all. Yeah, uh, if, if it spreads whole, if the spread holds, it'll be Brian Kelly's um, biggest spread he's had at Notre Dame. And, you know, that narrative, whatever, that doesn't mean, doesn't really mean anything. But Irish have number three Georgia in Athens on deck. So how much do they care about this cupcake? Especially with Bob Davey not being there. Bob Davey was coach at Notre Dame, but now he's not coming to the game because he's has health issues. Um, so, you know, I watched a lot of New Mexico film on Wednesday during work. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I remember you told me that. They, they run this unique triple option attack from the pistol. It's, you know, it's easy to, easy for me to see Notre Dame's second stringers struggling with assignments late in this game, presenting the chance at a backdoor cover. Um, 
New Mexico was able to cover 36 last year against Wisconsin in a similar fashion with the fourth quarter touchdown. And Notre Dame really didn't look good against Louisville's rushing attack. I think they gave up close to 250 yards on the ground. So I could see New Mexico putting up 14 points here and, you know, 35 point spread. That could that 14 points could cover the spread, but it's it's not a game that I'm interested in watching or betting for that matter. Yeah, no, that was, that's like one of those ugly dogs. You just set it and forget it, mm-hmm. you know, before right before kickoff. You take that that extra hook or something like that. But no, that's good. I I like the look ahead aspect of it too because you just know once they have that you know four or five touchdown lead late in the game. Kelly's not gonna. He's gonna want to take his foot off the gas, like absolutely. Yeah. To get you know that's the big game against George on deck, so uh, probably end up being one of those ones where I'm taking the dog too at the last minute. <laughs> um, so another big dog game though we got, and this is like one of the biggest games of the week. I think College Game Day they wanted it to be there, but then Syracuse got lit up by Maryland. But yeah. Clemson visits Syracuse. It's a 28 point spread, total 65 and a half. Last time I checked. Uh, you think Syracuse, because Syracuse won this game two years ago. Yeah. Um, do you think they can? They have any chance of doing it again? Not only did they win last year, they could have won when they knocked out Dirk Lawrence. But uh, that's right. Clemson got the uh, the win there. I just don't think that Clemson's going to be caught napping in this one, especially with what happened last year. Um, I do expect to bounce back from Syracuse after getting embarrassed by Maryland. Maybe they had a look at spot there. I don't know, um, but. I don't think Syracuse is is very good. Last year was an anomaly, um, based on you know their last couple of years. Um, Clemson really dominated Texas A&M. That fourth, that last second touchdown to lose the cover that was yeah, that's brutal. That was dumb. I, you can't really count that. I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you got the ticket. You have to count. Right. Yeah, that's one of those ones you don't put in the stats as much, but you definitely. <laughs> Yeah, you lose your ticket with that. I, I, yeah, I have the game at 26, so, I mean, it's just I'm not going to bet it. It's tough. Like, I'm, I'm tempted to take it because it's four full touchdowns, but, yeah, it's just it's hard because this is one where you just blink and it's 14 to zero right away, and, and then, you know, live number is way better. So I, I know it's tough. Like, my whole – I'm going to determine whether or not I – because for me, I think it's take the points or pass, but – um, yeah. Usually in spots like this, it's like ninety five percent of the time, obviously. But um, I don't know. It's it, it's one of those spots I might just wait out. If if I'm like kind of sure that Syracuse could do something early on, and you know, it won't open up like a better live number, maybe. But yeah. Tommy, I was I was a I was a believer in Tommy DeVito starting the year, and I'm not willing to totally give up on him yet. Mm-hmm. But the Sarah, the Clemson defense is just you know they might make mincemeat out of him. Yeah, they've. I mean. Their biggest issues was the front seven that they lost a ton, but against Texas A&M, they dominated the trenches there. So, I mean, they, they're such a great program. They just reload and, you know, Brent Venables is a great defensive coordinator. So they're going to be just fine. Yeah. So we got uh, another one on um, Friday night. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you wrote about this one too, Washington state and Houston. And I think this number keeps driving up. I think, Wazoo's nine and a half last time I looked. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is a game where, you know, it doesn't seem to matter what quarterback Mike Leach has in the area attack. It just keeps turning on, you know. Mm-hmm. So now he's got, after Gardner, Gardner Minshew, 
you know, who's going to Jackson's this weekend, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and now they have a fifth-year senior who's never made a road start before, Anthony Gordon, but he's been in the program enough. I don't think that it's going to be much of a tough road environment. It's not. It's at NRG Stadium, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it should be majority Houston fans, but I don't think it'll be – I don't think it'll be as hype as if it was if the game was in campus. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. But but Houston is such a terrible defense. I mean, they gave up 600 passing yards to Cliff Kingsbury's air raid defense last season. Lost that game by 14, and you know I can see that same thing happening here. Houston, Houston's defense, they're just um, they're just so bad and. Washington State actually has one of the best pass pass rushes uh, this season and last season. And Houston so far, one of the worst teams in sack rate allowed uh, per game. They're really bad last year. Interesting. Uh, Derek, Derek King is only hitting like 55% of his passes, and the longest one came for 30 yards. So to me, Houston lost Kendall Bryles last year um, as the offensive coordinator, and it's a big loss the explosive unit so i think washington state has has the clear advantage and i do think they'll win by double digits um mm-hmm. so i went ahead and laid nine uh earlier in the week oh mm-hmm. nice okay well the but, market's agreeing with you because i think that's it just keeps moving up i think it's gonna probably close 10 it looks like yeah i think the cougars are gonna cover in this one no all right <laughs> do you have any um do you have any take on the total there a 73 and a half um, I would lean under just because Houston's pass defense has or pass offense has been bad, and mm-hmm. um, Washington State's weakness on on defense is the rushing attack. So yeah. I would like, I would expect to see a lot of running ball with Houston, um, especially early, maybe a first half under. Yeah, that makes sense. As they yeah, look to establish the run game. You have me thinking about the Houston team total under right now, especially if this one runs up a little bit more. It could be a good mm-hmm. angle to get into that. But, um, all right, so let's let's jump in a couple other or a few more games, the college games that we're thinking about. And, um, I I want to touch on Florida State because I know we, you mentioned them earlier, and they're playing Virginia this week. And this game, it really interests me because I'm really struggling with that Florida State power rating because when you look at their games, they've – been so impressive in the first half of both games. And I thought that first game against Boise, they were up, what, like it was like at least three touchdowns, I think, in the first half or somewhere around there. They yeah. do 17 points, but it uh, looked like they're going to run out the building and then they didn't score in the second half. And then last week, you know, they're looking really, imp- I think they're up three touchdowns on, uh, was that Louisiana Monroe? Yeah. And then the next thing I look at the box score, and Louisiana Monroe missed an extra point to, uh, to win that game or to tie the game up at the end. So, I think it's just a tale of two teams here. And I know Virginia, you know, Bronco Mendenhall, I've, I was really high on him. And started, everybody, he's a great coach. Feels, feels like the sharp people were all on Virginia. Their season win total was bet up, like, I think more than any team in the preseason. And I agree with that move. And they look so good so far. So I'm, I'm torn on this game, though, because at seven and a half, I'm inclined to take Florida State. But there's Willie Taggart. It might be the worst coach in college football, I think. I, I didn't even know this until I heard um, – I think it was Brad Powers that brought it up. Um, and he, he said that he is uh, Taggart's team's dating because he was with Oregon for a year. They were the most penalized team when he was with them. And then last year, Florida State was the most penalized team you know, once he took over there. And then this year so far, 
they're already up there on, on most penalized teams. They're clearly lacking discipline, but the talent is there. The speed on, on offense is, is great. And so I'm thinking about getting into play on them, but I really, I think I want to target the first half. And I don't know if that's just like a lazy handicap there because Virginia, I think this is their time to shine. I think they know this is their chance to like cement themselves as a, as a, you know, an ACC contender, or at least to, you know, maybe play Clemson in the championship game, but, or whatever, you know, challenge for the ACC with Clemson. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I want to get on FSU, especially if I can get a you know, plus four better in the first half. Do you, do you think you'll get involved in this one or is it, do you just want to stay the hell away from Taggart? I, ha- I do have, um, Virginia over seven and a half wins, um, from the summer. So nice. Just, uh, I think they closed eight for yeah. sure. At least eight. Yeah. So this is, um, I'm definitely interested in the game. I'm not going to be betting it. I'm worried about Virginia has always been the underdog in this series, like dating back to the past, yeah. like 20 years. They've never been the favorite. And now you're, you're the favorite and you're expected to win, expected to cover. So I don't really, I don't, yeah. I don't really like that narrative, but at the yeah. same time, they, they do have one of the best corners in the country and Bryce Hall. Um, the, the I like their offense. It'll keep Florida State off the field. But it, it's just a, mm-hmm. it's a game that I make really close to the numbers. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I was leaning towards the dog just because just I do think that – I mean, I've, I've adjusted Florida State down. Um, let me just look at it real quick. I adjusted Florida State down three points roughly each week um in my ratings but virginia virginia is 79 so i mean i still make it like a six point game so i mean in my in my in my opinion there's still value for state yeah catching that hook was that's really what's got to be going here they catch that plus seven and a half versus just the seven is is nice. I mean, I I did. I mean, I, I took like a, I put just a little small position down on the seven and a half when I first saw it, just because of say I, I had the number like almost exactly the same as you, mm-hmm. and uh, I figured maybe if it bounces to seven, I, I wish I put down on the hook because I just can't see it raising. I don't think this is a spread we're going to see come close to ten or anything like that. Obviously, but um, but yeah, you're definitely so yeah. On with Willie Tiger, I mean, there's some. Coverage. Yeah, no, I know. I can't let him doing this again. Like I'm going to hate myself in a few days. But I think I think my angle there is the first half, though, and I'll probably hate myself there too. But at least it takes out the discipline because it's, it's such a coaching mismatch here too. It really is because Bronco Mendenhall is a hell of a coach, and I think at halftime, you know, when you get those halftime adjustments in, it's, especially in college, it's such a chance for the coach to you know a better coach to exercise his. Um, I guess his skill level can come out on top more in college, but yeah, but uh, for lack of a better term, but uh, all right. So let's. Uh, do you have any other? Uh, I, I have a couple here. I was. I want to touch on. Do you have anything on TCU? Because TCU, I, I did open. I, I bet them at the opener plus one just because of the the Purdue quarterback issue. That line has gone up. I don't think I'm going to bet back uh, a little bit on the other side because I just didn't put too much of a starting position on that one. But I think last time I saw TCU was two and a half, but that could be up to. I'm not sure what that's at right now, but do you have any take on the TCU Purdue game? Because TCU is coming off a bye week, also. Yeah, and Purdue just lost their one of their best linebackers. Um, I forget his name, but he's out too. And last time I saw Sindelar was questionable. Still, he he was diagnosed with a concussion, which makes me really yeah, hard. That's tough. Really hard to fathom that he's going to play here. Um, uh-huh. I don't have I don't have anything in that game now. Yeah, it looks like right now it's a, it's settled out at two and a half as of Thursday uh, late afternoon, early evening. So 
if this one hits three, I'll probably do a little buyback on Purdue, but otherwise just going to sit on that. Um, another one, um, I just had it on the notes here. I, I took Arizona plus three and that's, that's two and a half now, but, um, I had this one closer to a pick but my Arizona power rating, not as confident on that one right now too. They're, they're hosting Texas tech. Uh, do you, do you have anything on that one? No, I don't. I, that's yeah. another, uh, Kevin Sumlin with Lee Taggart. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. This offseason when they both are jobless. Backing all these bad coaches. we got to <laughs> stop doing that. Uh, so not BYU. This is what I know that we, we both are uh, interested in talking about. BYU is plus they're, – they're getting four and a half at home mm-hmm. over against USC. Um, Keenan Slovis, the – the USC quarterback took over last week. Looks super good. It looks so good against Stanford. Yeah. And Stanford was obviously banged up and everything. But this is his first road start. It's USC's second time ever going to Provo to play at the elevation. Um, I, I'm all over BYU here. I think it's a good spot for them to, uh, to take it. I think the markets might, might have overreacted a bit on USC. Uh, what I guess, like, how's your USC power rating? Like, how are you treating them right now with, with Slovis coming in and looking so good after um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, Daniels went down with an injury. Yeah, I mean they're actually still down a little bit from my preseason ranking, um, just because I don't. I I really I'm not going to overreact to one start from from Slovis. Once teams get more film on him, you know things, right. things are going to change. And especially for for this game, BYU, the, over the past really couple of seasons, they've been one of the best defenses in. Um, ISO PPP, which is an advanced metric for explosiveness. So they do a really good job in defending big plays. And mm-hmm. the more big plays that you can get, obviously, the more the better chances you have of scoring, right? So they do a really good job at limiting these big plays. And their offense is very, you know, methodical and will keep Slovis off the field. So I, I definitely lean with the home underdog here. And if I'm not mistaken, USC has, you know, this is kind of a sandwich spot for them, if I'm not mistaken. So oh, that's a good angle. Know, how, motivated, you know, how motivated are they to go? Yeah, to it's just a tough travel spot. It also helps when, like, all of the BYU offensive linemen are, like, 25 years old with two kids and a wife yeah. <laughs> and a house. So that, that's always good, too. I, I love catching the points here. I have this one closer to a pick so – and I think, you know, the USC power rating is tough to grasp right now because the Slovis, like we could end up, you know, they could end up looking really good again. And we might have to really consider upgrading them after this game. But this is also like the same spread almost that BYU, when they played Utah to open the season. I think the Utah spread might have bumped up a little bit right before the game started, but it was around four and a half, five uh, leading up to the game, you know, in the weeks leading up to that game. And I have Utah power rated like almost four points, about three, between three and four points better than USC. Uh, right now so i just think we have that value on byu right now my, my only worry is they're coming off that that overtime win uh in tennessee and they gotta you know travel back mm-hmm. and everything but i think when you're looking at a team like that with you know, a bunch of older early 20s guys you know i think they're a little more disciplined i think that'll affect them a little bit less coming back you know it's a really small angle there but um but and i can't trust clay helton as a favorite i think um, the stat I read is he's only covered seven of his last 23 games as a favorite. So there's that angle too. Wow. Yeah. I would say that, um, that the Utah BYU box score, the final score was definitely misleading. So 
they got too late. They got this two defensive touchdowns. Um, very, very equal when you look at the underlying metrics. So, I mean, I'm not looking at that game as mm-hmm. a, as an identifier so much, more so the Tennessee game. And I thought that they were obviously the better team throughout. Um, yeah. I've also downgraded Tennessee a lot, too. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. After that, we, they, they were another tough one, like tying into our – conversation at the beginning like you know losing outright in a situation like that to start the season that's hard to figure that one out um to have confidence in the next game because i i wanted to bet tennessee uh last week it got down to three but i just i couldn't pull the trigger there just because you know it's i don't know just not having the confidence in the power rating so i have yeah i have usc five points better on a neutral so that's definitely value um yeah yeah there you go that's because I mean I think this is probably not even your typical home field just because of the, the elevation angle obviously and it's the freshman's first start on the road. You know, it's, there's a lot of reasons to like to like BYU here. So I'm definitely I took that money line already. I think it's a great uh, great angle for this weekend. Uh, any other college games that are striking your fancy that you want to talk about before we move to NFL? Well, um, I took your advice and went to Middle uh, Central Florida Stanford game. So I had. Central Florida plus two and a half from the summer uh, games of the year and put 30% of that on Stanford plus seven and a half. So oh, that's beautiful. God, that's, we got, that's, that's, that's my big game uh, this week. Um, but the public, the public's all over Central Florida here because they got the sandwich spot. Costello's hurt. They're flying across mm-hmm. the country. Central Florida wants to be on the national stage again. You know, but you know, I like I like my position here. The public's all over, all over the night, yeah. like I said, and I still think that Central Florida doesn't belong. So, mm-hmm. no, that's a great position to be in. Like, there's nothing better than just sitting around rooting for numbers to fall and having your, you know, your you said thirty three percent. So that means two thirds is on a you know, obviously an incredible uh, plus EV situation. So that's good. I'll be rooting. I have something to root for that game. I'll root for. A seven-point victory at right. UCF. That's right. But of course, it's got to be on the back door. You know, you don't want to worry about it. You want to. <laughs> All right, let's move on to NFL Week Two. Um, got a few games we want to break down here. Let's start out, I guess, with a, a local Chicago Bears team. Obviously, we we know what happened in uh, on Thursday Night Football to start the year against the Broncos. The Bears have not scored a touchdown yet in 2019. Um, they are, it looks like this one's at two and a half. Now, I, I saw some spots, at least some offshore spots, move to three. I don't think they're still there, but low scoring game. Um, obviously, this the look at just a, you know, before the Broncos played, it looked like the Bears were one point dogs, but now the Broncos look so bad. So the, the Lions jumped up to two and a half. Um, Broncos allowed the Raiders to go seven for 10 on third downs. I think that game was, I think the Raiders actually did a really good job of, uh, I heard Michael Lombardi talking about this on Vison earlier this week. Uh, he said that Gruden did a really good job of keeping Fangio off balance. Right? I agree with that. He kind of took away the Broncos' strengths, which is obviously their Miller and Chubb. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the Raiders' defense you know, he kind of helped mask their liabilities that week. But um, but this is a different angle. I think the Bears, obviously hungry, heading to Denver. I don't know. Do, are you like me, thinking there's no value either way on this one? Yeah, I saw a touch three at Westgate for like a second, like a couple minutes, yeah. seriously. The buyback. Yeah. Um, so 
I I'm gonna tease the Broncos. Um, yeah. with another team we can touch on that later, but with the mm-hmm. total, uh, Denver is such a hard place to play. It's actually harder to play in the heat than the snow. Um, it's a science thing I've been told, but the Broncos closer to the sun, something like that. <laughs> uh, the Broncos are undefeated in September home games since 2013, and covering 70 percent of those games. Um, Wow. So I mean that's that's really hard to ignore because they, they didn't have that you know that great of teams the past two years or so. So I think that I think Vic Fangio knows the Bears' strengths and weaknesses, especially on defense, more than Chuck Pagano does. And you know yeah. he knows you know what players are good and what coverage and you know how much can he translate that to the offense. And you know we saw Vic Fangio just be boneheaded late in the game when he kicked the field goal down. That was so bad. That was, oh man. And what, what was worse, that one or Tomlin? Mm, I think Tomlin was, they were, it was one yard line down like 21 or 24 to zero or whatever it was. I'll like say the third quarter. I'll say Fangio because <laughs> yeah. suddenly, you know, calls the shots, but he's been a defensive guy his entire life. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. He's just, yeah. He's just going to find a way to nitpick the the Bears' weaknesses, I think. I think it's going to be like a 17-13 game. So. Yeah, yeah, super low scoring. And uh, if, it, if there's like a – do you think there's anything to the under here? I mean, it's tough, to, you know, betting on an under like 41 or 42. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just too tough. I think, I think there's more being at such a low scoring game to tease to tease more yeah. guys. I agree with you, especially if you can get through the three and the seven. Um, so I guess like you yeah, have to cover for the bet Indiana people, the Colts and the Titans. Titans are, looks like it's three and a half, but the Colts obviously catching the, the points are getting more vig right now. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with the line. I think forced lean, I would say the Colts catching the hook there on the, on the field goal, but I think it looks about right to me. Obviously they're coming off the, the overtime loss in LA and the Titans are coming off the super impressive Week one went over the overrated Cleveland Browns. Do you, you have any take on this game? No, I thought three was the right number. Um, yeah. If there's three and a halves out there, minus 110, I'd definitely consider that. I think that the Titans' week one performance is an anomaly, in my opinion. When you look at Mariota in that game, aside from a few drives, he still has the same inaccuracy issues that, that's been plaguing him recently. And he's still got sacked, I think, three or four times. So he's – and that's been a, that's been an issue for him. You know, he has the – you know, he gets – he has the uh, – whatever, the perception that he's, you know, still at Orient and he's running the ball, but he's been really bad under pressure and can't escape getting sacked. I mean, it's been a problem since he's gotten to the league. Mm-hmm. And I think the Colts have an underrated defense, and they look – just, I mean, not just fine without Andrew Luck, but they look pretty good without him uh, against a good Chargers defense. So, you know, I, I, I take the three and a half. I'm not going to personally bet it, uh, but that would be my lean. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I don't think we'll ever see that minus one ten on the three and a half. So it probably won't be something we have to worry about. But you never know. That Sunday market, it's always crazy. Sometimes you always get some surprises. Sometimes, but. 
Um, so some other NFL games, I you know, it's tough betting in the NFL, obviously, finding value, especially on the sides. Uh, but I do think that there's an angle in Detroit, the Lions. It's tough just because of the way they blew that game against the Cardinals. But if you watch the first three quarters, it, it looked really good. And if that fourth quarter didn't happen, this would probably be closer to a pick-up game. And I think all the intangibles are there for Detroit this week. They Obviously, they're returning home and everything, but uh, the Chargers, they have to travel. And they're, they're dealing with some – it looks like it's becoming like a real injury plague. Down yeah. there. You know, Mike Williams is banged up. Hunter Henry is out now for a few weeks. And obviously, they already had some defensive issues. Uh, Derwin James and and uh, the Patri- you know, the, not the Patriots, the, the Lions coming back home in this spot, catching the points. I, I wish I got the three. I saw at the opener – it was at three, and I think I even saw a couple offshores at three and a half for, for a tick. And I, I thought about it, but I, I wanted to like you know do a little bit more work on the games, and and I'm wishing I fired on that now. But I do think Detroit catching two and a half in the money line is worth a look this week, and I also like the under in this game. I think because, um, and it, it looks like it's kind of ticked down to forty seven and a half. It was at some spots are still at forty eight, so you got to shop around as of Thursday night, but. Uh, I like the under just for the angle that I think the Chargers, you know, they're with all those cluster injuries, you know, kind of popping up, especially their skill position guys. They might just try to pound it out, you know, ground to pound a little bit more. And the Lions, obviously, you know, they're dealing with what they dealt with last week. I think they could, I could see them, you know, being a little bit more conservative. But that's my angle. I think Lions and and under is are both worth a look this week. I don't know if you've. Uh, any take on those? I just think that the Chargers defensive line is just going to destroy the Lions offensive line. So that could lead to That's know, my word. turnovers okay. and, you know, sacks and stall drives mm-hmm. and everything that could lead definitely to the under. We saw in the preseason mm-hmm. with the Lions, they were just Stafford and whoever was back there was just getting sacked so many times. Chargers, obviously, mm-hmm. their, their big strength is their – their D line, so I think that they're going to really control the trenches and and yeah. Uh, yeah. That's one of those spots where, like, if you know, well, obviously the Chargers aren't your typical home field or far from it, but like, well, you know, traveling offense. I guess like I'm willing to stomach that mismatch at home. You know, especially you know how things probably were on that plane flight coming back to Detroit. So, uh, I yeah, that, that does give me pause for concern a little bit. I would love to get the three here also, but. I think that's my that's one of my stronger plays this week. At least that's the one of the couple NFL sides that I'm I'm looking to get on. Do you do you have any NFL sides that you're uh, I, on this week? Well, I just don't understand what's going on with the Jags uh, Texans line. The look ahead line was three, Houston minus three, and now it's nine at the Westgate this morning. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but eight and a half offshore, nine. At Westgate, and what's what's warranted a six point move in this game? Like besides the QB, I mean, the only thing I think of is the QB. Hurt, yeah, but he's been like a, and they have the rookie step in, I guess. Um, but the Texans, the Texans D line or offensive line, got is a terrible matchup for against the Jags, in my opinion. And you know, divisional divisional game, you know, Texans short week. I like I like the plus sign. Actually, this is the other game that I tease. I think you you tease the other way. I tease the other you way. Know. Yeah, yeah. I, I want I want just two and a half. I want Jacksonville plus fourteen and a half and Broncos eight and a half. Um, so I guess we can both win, right? 
Okay. Yeah, it could still get done. I mean, that makes it a lower scoring. I mean, what's the total? I just off the top of it, it's like 43 yeah, maybe. So. Um, and, yeah, no, we could definitely still cash that one. I see Jaguars scare me, though, and it's not just because I lost money on them last week, but just how undisciplined, you know, talking about, you know, like circling back to them. It must be a Florida thing. I don't know, <laughs> Willie Taggart and the Florida State team, but they're just – you know, you saw that lack of discipline on full display last week. Uh, with you know, the someone punched—I forget it was Miles Jack, I think—punched out someone. Got guys getting kicked out of the game. They lost their cool pretty quickly. But Gardner Menchu came in and he was like completing every pass when he came in. So, but I don't know now that they have tape to work mm-hmm. with. You know, Houston, but there's also the angle of Houston. You know, the super disappointing Monday night. Uh, you know, blowing that obviously. They should have won that game, but maybe they shouldn't have. It depends on when you think the game should have ended, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely an overreaction here, I think, to, to Houston. And they're also on short rest. That's the other angle. I mean, get one less day to, uh, to prep for this one. So, sidewise, I definitely I think I, I – I guess like eight and a half, it's maybe a tick too high. But I, I'm fine with teasing the Texans down there. Uh, I also bet the Steelers – couple days ago at three and a half. I think it's up to four now. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, they, I fully expect them to bounce back from their usual loss in New England. You know, they always, they always think they're <laughs> yeah. and Seattle, the same issues just don't seem to get fixed. Like they're a run first team that's throwing, you know, you know, bad short passes to their running backs should have lost the Bengals. Now you have to go cross country from early start back in Pittsburgh against a team that you know, is one of the best teams in in sacks over the past two seasons. And the Hawks O line really didn't look that good against the Bengals, who we thought were supposed to be one of the worst teams. And I just don't think it's. I, th- I also think it's going to be a really popular play. So uh, you yeah. know that kind of, that kind of has me a little bit nervous. It's good that you got on it early, though. You know, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that angle. Uh, it's tough, like getting yeah, laying three and a half in that spot. Like, I don't know. I think I have the line like close to where it's at. Maybe like a tick of value on on the Steelers, but I like the angle. I mean, bounce back spot at home. Obviously, we know the home road dichotomy between you know with with Roethlisberger and just I guess the, the Steelers in general. So I think they'll catch that one, or at least I think they'll win the game. So I guess you'd have a good chance. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to give out some reasons why I think the under in new England and Miami could be worth a look. I, I, uh, I saw that the line moved up. It was at 48. The, sorry, the total moved up. It's at 48 and a half as of Thursday night, but it was sitting at 48 dropped down to 47 and a half yesterday. I was kind of mad at myself for not getting more down to 48. Now it's, it's ticked backed up, which is, Interesting to me. I'm wondering if it's a fake out move uh, by some by some groups. It could be, but Belichick. A um, few reasons why I like this. First of all, I mean, it's, I'm not the biggest trends guy, but he is 10 and 0 to the under when he has a double digit lead on the road. He's going up against his old coach, you know, the Miami head coach. So I think there's the angle that he could show respect. You know, the late a big late lead. I don't I don't see Belichick trying to run the score up in Miami. You know, he wants to get his guys out out there. You know, without injuries, unscathed, and the that humidity there. So, but I also think that the angle um, of the Miami coach was obviously defensive coordinator mm-hmm. for the Patriots last year. 
So obviously he has more awareness of the Patriots offense. And I, I can see this one being more of a defensive affair just because the Miami players, I think they'll take pride on, you know, they, they're reading all the news clippings this week. I think they might make it a game on defense. You know, I, I don't trust the Dolphins offense. I, also, I still think the Patriots defense might be possibly underrated by the market still, even after last week. So I, I really like the under here. 48 and a half, I think, is a, a total go on this one. I think we should be looking at more of like a 45-ish. But it's also, I, I really think it's prime for for in-game betting, just because if the Patriots do go up early, you know, that, that early touchdown, or if they're getting, you know, they're 14-0 halfway through the first quarter, then you're going to see Belichick respect the Dolphins, slow it down. And you also know they're going to have their defense fully focused after last year, you know, the, the infamous Gronkowski play, when you know, the miracle in Miami play. So, I, uh, I just think he's going to want to get out there on skates. So I, I think looking to take a little position on the under pregame and then really looking to bet live under if the Patriots get you know go up a couple touchdowns early. Uh, do you have any opinion on that one? I also have a trend for you. I'm not you know a trends connoisseur by any means. You know there's always trends to either side, but this one I thought was pretty notable. Home underdogs of eight or more points have gone under. In 41 of the past 52 games since the start of the 2013 season. Wow! So 41 and 11 to the under. That's a yeah. That's a pretty crazy percentage. I like that on my side too. But I mean, yeah. There's also there's also the there's like this. Uh, it's not a tropical storm, but it's like a I don't know, like a mini hurricane that's like going up the coast of Florida. Oh, that's supposed to drop a ton of rain on. Florida, uh, South Florida, I think the night before, and it might carry over until check your local weather, weather reports. Um, <laughs> but I think it's supposed to be pretty, pretty sloppy. And so that, that's obviously a, a good, no, that's good to know. I, I just like that move scared me today. Like I feel even, it's weird, but I would feel better about it if it didn't go up to 48 and a half from 47 and a half, like today. But I also think it really could be a, a fake out move. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think you see those less in the NFL, but uh, I, I like the under, especially after hearing your your trend there. <laughs> so NFL-wise, I mean, I guess we could jump into best bets soon. Do you have any other like NFL leans and stuff? Like, I, I have a lean to the Rams. I think they could be worth a look here, especially since that's down to two. I'm seeing money line. I'm seeing like minus 123 at some spots offshore. Uh, I think that could be worth an angle this this week just because the saints you know they're when you look how they've been traditionally the first couple weeks of the year yeah the rams i think really came on strong at, at the end of that the panthers game and i think you know having a game under their belt really neutralizes them not playing in the preseason they're returning home obviously less of a home field advantage there but the saints you know they have to travel cross country as well and I, I just think there's a little bit of a tick of value there i think that line should be closer to i think it should be at least a field goal there yeah i wrote about that just one one certain angle in that game I wrote about is Jared Goff since the last playoffs. Like um, uh, there, there was that the divisional round. Since that since that game last year, he's been really really bad under pressure. Like he's only completing thirty three percent of his passes under pressure. He's gotten really really lucky with his um, adjusted turnover rate. It should be his actual turnover rate should be a lot higher than it is. And, you know, they have a brand-new offensive line. They, Saints Saints got to Deshaun Watson, I think, 11 times 
he got hit on Monday. So I think that's going to be that could be a, a big uh, area of emphasis. You know, interesting. McVeigh. That could be why the lines moved down too. You know, I mean, it was I think it was at two and a half. Now it's at two. So McVeigh's good about you know masking his weaknesses. So how much will that affect? But I think it's I think that 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 angle could you know if if the Rams can alleviate the pressure and if, if the Saints can get to get to golf and then that could be a long night for him. I'm not, I don't have an opinion. I, I just thought that was an interesting uh, angle. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's just a lean. I mean, I'm, I probably end up, I don't know. We'll see if it gets, I'm going to monitor that line, but I'm, I'm interested in at least a small, a small play on the Rams there, but um, we'll see. I know there's also the whole like saints getting, you know, they, if you think of people leaving like the revenge stuff or, you're just not obviously the whole not making the Super Bowl last year, so might have it out for him. But uh, let's talk teasers because I know you mentioned before we close out with best bets here. I don't know if you have any other leans, but um, my teaser of the week I, you touched on, you mentioned earlier like Houston and San Fran, uh, Houston down to two and a half, San Fran up to eight, and I also like Detroit on the teaser at eight and a half, and Atlanta and the Broncos too. Atlanta less so just because the higher scoring game, but I think. Know, getting a you know plus seven and a half could be worthwhile, but I think I'd probably rank them for me. I'd probably rank San Fran, Houston, Detroit, and Broncos uh, as mine. But I'm, I'm comboing all those all those together. But uh, what's what's yours? Uh, the one that I bet was Broncos plus eight and a half and Jaguars plus fourteen and a half. So fourteen and a half. So there you go. With each team, you know, one touchdown loss and a two touchdown loss, and you're still cashing your tickets there. Um. What about best bets? So I, I wrote down a few of mine. I think we've touched on most of mine already, so it's more of just like a, a summary for me. But mm-hmm. what are the Joe Rogers inaugural best bets on the Doggy Juice podcast? Well, that's a great question. I do have a teaser, obviously. I got Central Florida plus two and a half, but that doesn't exist. So we'll stick with Stanford plus seven and a half. I have also Colorado State plus 12.5. I think that number is 9.5. They play Arkansas. Just switch quarterbacks. You know, Colorado State beat them last year. Arkansas is in, in shambles. They should have lost by a lot more than they did against Ole Miss. Um, I like Washington State minus 9. And the first half under there, I think we just uh, talked ourselves into that. Mm-hmm. And I also have Iowa State. I got the worst of it, so I got Iowa State minus two. You're still going to win that. I, I, uh, yeah, Iowa State every which way. Um, it's tough because the market has, you know, it's I, I, I gobbled up plus three, minus 115 and minus 120 in the money line. I think it was minus or plus 125 at that time when I took that. But I still like it where it's at at one and a half. But I think the first half in that game could be an even better angle. I think we I mentioned it earlier, but just Matt Campbell with the two weeks to prepare for this one. I think he's going to have a couple of tricks up his sleeve. And then the, the under is actually seeing a little bit of a, a down tick. It was at 44 and a half. I'm seeing uh, a lot of 43s now as of Thursday. It must be like once the limit's raised, it got attacked on the under. But uh, I, I still like the Iowa team total under, I think, too. But every which way, Iowa State on this one. Um, first half and full game being the strongest plays in the the uh, Iowa team total under uh, for for a, you know, half a unit. Um, BYU plus four and a half. 
um, plus fives or a couple offshore spots still if you could find those. Uh, Temple mentioned that's plus seven and a half. I think it's just an overreaction. I think you said your numbers had it at five, um, and I, I agree with that. And then NFL just talked about it. The Lions plus two and a half and money line plus three would be ideal. So if that happens, it would be an even stronger play. 49ers plus two. I think that should be a pick'em game. So just get two points of value. But um, I also like if 49ers been staying in Youngstown, Ohio this, you know, this whole week. They've traveled back to the West Coast. So yeah. I just like that angle of them, you know, I don't know, more or less just bonding as a team. I saw that some of them volunteered at an elementary school. Now that's good stuff. They're not going back to all the distractions of home. They're able to focus on, on being around each other. So like the 49ers this week and then the teasers we talked about. So that's that's what I got. It's got a lot of action this week, man. Yeah, I uh, mentioned uh, Steelers. I have uh, – I didn't mention that in my best bet. Steelers three and a half. And one more that uh, I just remembered. I have East Carolina plus seven. This is against a Navy team, I bet, under season wins, and I just have them two points better than ECU. Navy, just like the service academies, they're not they're not good in the favorites role. They're they're at their best when they're when they're underdogs. And midshipmen, sixth worst team in returning production. They were god awful last year. This is gonna be an ugly game. Oh, I love but, that angle. Catch the touch. I'll take the touch. I love it. That's good stuff, man. I'm gonna probably uh take a look at that one myself now as soon as we hang up here but thank you for uh, for coming on that's I've, it went longer than we were planning but i'm not mad about that at all because it was good for the doggy juice pod listeners to get an intro to you and uh that was fun man thank you so much for coming on those was, was really good hopefully we brought some winners to people that's right <laughs> all right all right well that was it uh we'll hang up and uh i will bring you on very soon i'm sure so any last words for the doggy juice pod listeners Nope, you can find us at uh, betchicago.com and also coming soon, the Bet Indiana website. So look for us there. Good stuff, man. All right, I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Take care. All right, a special thank you to Joe for coming on. I'm really looking forward to bringing him back on the podcast again soon. Very insightful stuff there. Let's finish up this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod by going to our resident degenerate, the Danimal, for some of his best bets for this weekend's card. All right, he's back for a second straight week. Our very own Danimal can't keep him away because did so well in week one. So here we are sitting down for an abbreviated session. Uh, what are you looking at this weekend in the couch football week three slash NFL week two card, Danimal? What is up, everyone? Thank you for having me on again. Um, Like you mentioned, hit a little heater last weekend. um, And if I wasn't such an idiot and just started live betting and um, betting on games I didn't even know about, I would have had a great weekend, but that's for a different time. Um, Week two card, not ideal. Um, I don't know if week one was much better, but since I'm seeing the board so well, um, I have a couple games that I really do like. First off, I like um, Army. Minus 17 against UTSA. Some people are calling for a letdown spot after that Michigan heartbreaker, but these are warriors. These are kids. They're ready. Um, UTSA has never faced Army or a triple option, so I think they're going to run all over them. So give me the 17. Um, oh, interesting. And I like that one. Yeah. No, yeah I'll just, really quick, I'll, I'll just like piggyback off that. I like your thinking there just because I think everybody's probably expecting – a letdown spot for army but they might be even priced in so 17 points i haven't done too much diving into this game but 
So sounds like a good play to me. What else you got? Um, Air Force plus it was plus four for a while, and I just saw a plus five, which I don't know if I like or not. Um, they got Colorado on the road. Air Force is coming off a bye. Colorado came off that crazy win against Nebraska. Yeah, so I that. see a lot of people <laughs> talking Air Force. So um, I'm all over it. Um, another um, Armed Forces here. Yeah. So I'm just covering <laughs> all bases. You're all over the Armed Forces. Um, no, yeah, this is like a weird line too because I saw it. It was like a three and a half at one point, but then ticked back. It looked a little fishy at that price. Um, but – yeah, now that's ticked back up to like four and a half. I could I could see where you're coming from there. Um, Nebraska blowing into Colorado last week, and obviously Colorado, um, they're high powered offense and everything. But like that's you know that's a tough uh, it's tough to win again against that Air Force team. So I, I I'm sympathetic with you on that one too. I think nice. Um, and then another one I really like um, is Michigan State, and that line has fluctuated a little bit. I see it now. I think it might have eclipsed 14. Um, I liked it at 13 and a half, obviously a big difference than 14 and a half. Um, low total is not ideal around 42. Yeah. So it definitely squeezes this game. Um, and I swear Michigan State's one of those teams and it's been a couple years now, but every time I bet against them, they win 40 to 10. And then I bet on them kind of like <laughs> Wisconsin and they win like 24 to 16 or something awful. But um, <laughs> Arizona State has not looked good, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but um, I think just it's a bad matchup against a strong running team. Um, mm-hmm. Payback a little bit from yeah, last year. So yeah. yeah, I just, I hope and I pray that they could beat, the lousy sun devils. But, um, again, I really like 13 and a half, 14 and a half is a kind of a different world, but, um, I'm again, all in on Michigan state. This is one of those games where like, I remember we were talking about this at the beginning of the week when the line was, I, I was seeing 13 and we're, I think 13 and a half was like the going rate by the time we talked about this. But I think we both mentioned how like we just should have got on Michigan state then just because everybody's going to be playing that revenge angle, which may or may not already be factored into the line. I think it, it already is, but like, now it's now that it's you know at 14 and going above 14 if we just took our own advice at the beginning of the week we could be sitting with tickets on either side of 14 just rooting for them to win by two touchdowns so we kind of missed the boat on that but i guess it's all hindsight 2020 exactly um <laughs> yeah who knows what way that line was going to move everybody knew the revenge angle and whatnot and it's low total so i'm surprised it has moved a good two points yeah because i mean you got to know odds odds makers had to have anticipated that everybody would be on michigan state because that that revenge angle but here we are anyway. So, um, no, that's a good one. I think that's, that's going to be a popular play, but getting in on it, you know, at under 14 is definitely the move. Yeah. And, um, that's really it for my, um, strong bets, a couple leans. Um, if people want to get a little dicey here, um, riding UCF again, um, cruised against FAU last week, they got Stanford. Um, I saw Costello is going to play. Um, there's a lot of ticket on UCF, but um, yeah. I just think they're a machine on offense. The quarterback, I didn't even know Wimbush didn't play last week, and I went all in on them, and they cruised. Um, so it seems like that's a system offense. So Stanford is beaten down, but um, UCF's just a machine. Yeah. Well, who schedules Stanford's schedule? Or who's in charge of their schedule? That's brutal. Got no idea. Northwestern and now going to play uh, UCF. But yeah, that's, that's a tough one there. Um, yeah, you said with Costello back, it's I think it actually, you know, if he's not, obviously he's the big factor in that one. I don't know if he's fully recovered or not, but uh, yeah, it's really good luck getting in front of that UCF train if anybody wants to go against the Danimal lean on that one. Exactly. And then same with um, 
who else did I take with last week? Oh, fading West Virginia. I'm doing it again with NC State. Eventually, it'll catch up to me fading the same team. But um, Mizzou handed it to West Virginia. I watched about one quarter of that and turned it away because I felt so comfortable. So um, yeah. NC State is another lean, minus seven against West Virginia. Very nice. You got anything on the NFL sides? NFL, um, I don't love the card, more so because of kind of my local lines, unfortunately. But um, one I do is I am riding my Buffalo guy again. Hit that money line last week, um, and I'm going against my G-Man, even though I was pleasantly surprised with the G-Man early on in that game. Um, they were pretty much in control on offense, then a couple penalties set them back. Um, but their defense is so bad. Well, you got picked apart, so I just think um, the Bills minus one is um, a good look. Yeah, and also Buffalo, low-key playing the same venue back-to-back weeks, the same stadium on the road. I don't know if that's the first team to ever open up a season. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the first time that a team's opened up the season with back-to-back road games at the same stadium. So there's some kind of comfort level there that I think negates an already pretty poor home field advantage for for the, the Giants. Exactly. Um, another one I like is um, Pat's Dolphins under 48. Um, it's not, it. not going to be a pretty one. It could be 27 to nothing at half or 30 to three at half. But um, I know people have touched on and you mentioned um, Belichick's old buddy, um, the Heat. So I'm just hoping for a little slow start and then kind of just a 30 to 10 game or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, the defensive coordinator for the Patriots last year is you know, in charge of Miami. So you got to figure he's at least semi-aware of, of what to do on defense. I'm not buying the I, – I, I totally agree with you here. Actually, the market, as we're recording this one on late Wednesday night, but I did see it tip down to 47.5 uh, tonight, which sucks. But um, for those who didn't get on the 48, it might tick back up, but I, I totally agree with you on this one for a few reasons. But um, I think we were talking about it too. Like this is one where I really want to get and look for in-running under on this. You know, Patriots go up one or two touchdowns early. You know, Belichick's probably going to sit on the ball. He's not going to want to risk his players getting hurt out in the humidity and the heat. Just wants to move on to next week, so he'll be looking to pound the rock. That defense, I still think, is underrated. So it could be one of those really good live under bets, you know, first end of the first quarter, mid-first quarter, if the Patriots go up early. Definitely. And then, I mean, not much else. Just to quickly kind of looking on the board, a um, couple games I like, but I feel like they're too easy so you know what that means in regards to Niners getting points at Cincy um I just that line doesn't really make sense to me I'm on that I like that I I got Niners plus two yeah and they're my favorite uh one of my favorite teaser candidates this week they uh they stayed in Youngstown Ohio um and they didn't go back to San Francisco so I think that's you don't see West Coast teams usually do that in between games and I think early on in the year that's going to keep them focused you know, they're coming off a win so they can build some momentum, you know, bond as a team a little bit. I saw some of the players volunteered at an elementary school out in those parts during the week. So, you know, they're keeping their heads above water there. Another Cincinnati's a good team, but they're traveling back from Seattle and and uh, it's two young, exciting coaches in this one. But give me I, I like the Niners getting two points here. Three would be a legitimate good bet, but I, I do like them catching the plus money on the money line, too. Nice. That's, I'll probably I'll join on that one then. Um, hometown Bears. Um Minus three against the Broncos. Both teams had terrible performances. So, I mean, everything screams to defense, defense, defense with that total at 41. I just, I might stay away from that game and just watch how the Bears look. Um, But Mm -hmm. the Broncos looked terrible. I mean, 
Oakland was kind of everybody against them, but Flacco, the Broncos, Fangio, like it was, yeah. it was rough out there. It was bad. Fangio, just some terrible, some real boneheaded coaching decisions. Like when he kicked that field goal, I think it was like late in the game. That was just like, just so bad. It was such a bad look. I think they were down by like, I don't want to make it. I think they were down three scores, but he kept it a three score game by kicking a field goal or something really late in the game. It was just like the wrong, yeah, totally wrong. The yeah, yeah, it was like Tomlin, but like maybe even worse, which is saying something. So, uh, well, I, actually, nothing was probably worse than Tomlin because they're on like the one yard line, right? So, yeah, a lot of no, bad so coaching that, here. That's about it. Um, per usual, I mean, you could expect um, me to just be an idiot. Like I said, I wouldn't touch the Clemson or LSU game last week. And yes, I bet on both of them and I lost both of them. I took um, under in the um, LSU game and that flew over. And then I took the over in the Clemson and that game didn't touch 30. So um, I swung (laughs) and missed on both primetime games and I said I wouldn't touch them. Well, yeah, no, it was the temptation was strong. So I I was definitely on that under in Texas. The the Texas LSU under was good at halftime. I was at a wedding that night and I saw the score at halftime. I was like, all right, we're uh, we're looking good. Then looked again and there was like 80 points on the board. So, yeah, not not a good one on that. So that's why it's always good, I guess, to like diversify, you know, with some first half, you know, first half under if you're going to bet a full game under if the if it fits the handicap. So yeah, so oh that's well. about that's about it for the Danimal. Um, small. I'm being strong again. I won't have thirty bets, but I'm being strong for now. <laughs> Sounds good, dude. No, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing with everybody, and let's hope you cash those tickets, and we'll bring you on next week to see what you got in store for. NFL week three and college week four next week. All right. Take care, everyone. All right. Thank you, Danimal. And thanks again to Joe Rogers for coming on the podcast. I know this one ran pretty long. It's not going to usually go this long, but wanted to uh, let everyone get to meet Joe. And we had a lot to talk about. There was actually a lot of good breakdowns on this podcast. Got a nice little card this week. So hopefully everybody learned a little bit and Everybody has some ideas for some good bets for this weekend. So, as always, you can follow me at Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram, where I post best bets and uh, some other information and stuff and links to my articles that I'm writing. And obviously, be sure to check out betchicago.com, where Joe and I are writing, and the soon to launch Bet Indiana website. Be on the lookout for that, too. Otherwise, good luck with your bets this weekend. Enjoy the games. And special announcement, I'm going to be back in a few days with a special podcast. I sat down with the a couple of the guys from the Top Class Finish podcast to go over the upcoming Champions League group stage. It starts next week, so I'm going to release that at the beginning of, ne- of uh, next week. So be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, I'll talk to you all next week. Good luck with your bets. Talk to you later. Doggy Juice out.